For more than 25 years, Deanna Batdorf has been disrupting the status quo of health. She is a passionate Ayurvedic practitioner, my body educator, and lymphatic specialist whose mission is to empower you to take control of your own wellness. Welcome to My Body with Deanna Batdorf, an Ask Me Anything podcast where Deanna gives you answers to your most pressing health and wellness questions. Along the way, Deanna will interview those who inspire her work as a holistic wellness practitioner, from birth workers to herbalists, yogis to MDs. You'll learn how to bring your body to a state of balance in this wild dance of life. Submit your questions on our website, dianaessentials.com. Look for the form at the bottom of the front page. No question is TMI for Deanna to answer. Good morning and happy February. This is Ask Deanna Anything. I am Andrea, I'm your host, and I am here with the amazing and talented Deanna Batdorf, who is here to answer your questions about wellness and self-care and Ayurveda. Uh, these are expert topics for her. She's been doing this for 30 plus years, and uh, she comes to you live every other Thursday morning to answer your questions. So if you've got questions, leave them in the chat. Uh, and if you're watching the replay, thanks for watching. And you can submit your questions on our website. So how are you doing this morning, Deanna? I'm doing really great. Yeah. And yeah, talking about 30 plus years, I actually started my career very young and started taking care of people, especially in the HIV epidemic, the AIDS epidemic of the 80s, while I was in high school. By the time I was 18 and a half, um, I was already sitting with my first person leaving the world and really holding hospice for somebody I cared about. Amazing hairstylist who taught me everything I know because my old career was cosmetology and esthetology. <laughs> And yeah, he taught me everything I know. And as he got sicker, I cared for him until he left the this world. And so when I think of that, I'm like, dang, I have a birthday coming up February here, 17th. And I'm like, I'm 53. I've been doing the same thing for 35 years. Like, how did that happen being Aquarian? <laughs> I just think about that. I'm like, wow, you know, but it is always creative. It is constantly ebbing and flowing. And there's always something new to learn in the holistic world or how the body works. I'm just amazed that it has kept me engaged this long and how powerful that is that you can develop something and still feel like, wow, there's so much things for me to learn and yet, of course, yes, I feel like I know so much at this point. I'm like, wow, that's quite a resting point. It's quite a resting point for me in my 50s. That idea of like, whoa, I know a lot and have experienced a lot and have helped a lot. So like everything from here feels a little bit bonus for me. And that's how I'm approaching my next, if I'm lucky, 50 years. <laughs> it's like everything's bonus from here. So we'll see what happens. You know, not only am I kind of reflecting on my timelines and here I am in my birthday month, but I've been reflecting on something even a little bit deeper than that. And I know that I'd like to talk about the heart. This is, you know, heart care, 
Heart Health Awareness Month. And I really want to take a moment with that. I've been thinking about something just a little bit broader that I want to bring to light in this opener, which is this beautiful thing called self-care. I started using the word self-care about 15 years ago. I was looking to coin something and kind of like create something because I'm, I am that Aquarian innovator. I don't like to step on people's toes. If somebody's already using languaging or if there's a business that's already got like a motto, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't want to reinvent a wheel. I want to do something new. I want to create something. And I started using this word self-care in my practices, in my work, and just, whoa, the epiphanies my students were having. And for any of you out there that have known me even longer than that downtown location, I had a location for 12 years. It was on Atkinson Road, but I was there as long as I was downtown. So some people have been with me for a very long time. My client yesterday has been seeing me for 23 years, has seen all the renditions and how powerful is that? And we were just reflecting, and I've already been reflecting on this idea of like, look at where self-care is today. Now, I'm not going to try to take a bunch of credit for that. There's a little part of me in my heart that's like, I think I might have participated in this self-care craze where we have actors and actresses writing self-care books, you know, and it's like you could be watching just general TV and there's commercials using the word self-care. It is just really exploded. And most of you know, at the downtown location, Deanna Center, we had the self-care studio. And we then kind of turned it into the self-care sanctuary. And I've just been at this a long time. And I've been like, okay, wait a minute. Things for me always run in these 10 and 15 year cycles. I'll just get in a zone and then I'll just watch it go somewhere. That's what happened with Ayurveda. 15 years before that, my key motto was a shared one of Ayurveda. And then just, whoa, watched it grow like crazy over this whole period. I mean, imagine me talking about Ayurveda 30 years ago and being 20 or so, <laughs> trying to explain these words, vata pitta kapha. And so I love where self-care is gone, but I feel like, oh, my Aquarian's like, it is time for a new word. It is time for a new something. What is that going to be in the next 15 years? And my work isn't changing, but it's like how we perceive it or how we, I mean, we could say it's how we market it, but Marketing for me isn't just like, hmm, how do I explode this to make money? Great idea. But it's like, how do we explode this to help people? What is the next rendition? And I just keep coming down to this concept of really personally reclaiming the word health care. Because health care has become something outside of us. It's become like a medical system. And it's great. We need them when we need them. If you need a surgery, you're going to be real glad it's there. If you need to know what's going on with your health and you can't figure it out yourself, self-care, you're going to be really glad there's those labs and maybe some options. So I'm not against that system, but I'm kind of looking at it and being like, wow, that became healthcare. And now self-care sometimes looks a little selfish. It's become just a little bit more like, I got to do this for me, which then has this like self-care or selfish. And I've just been looking at this whole thing and being like, wow, this is really actually 
homesteading healthcare. Just like what's in your kitchen, what's in your backyard, what do you have at your disposal? If a lot of things change and we have to go back to our homesteading ways, which I'm not so sure would be bad, we are going to have to take healthcare into our own hands. And I'd love it if healthcare was like as valid of a word in holistic health as it is in allopathic. So I've just been kind of playing with this idea. And it's interesting that we're in heart health month. Because when I look at heart health, that's one of those things that like you would not mess around with plants and you would go straight to your doctor. You know what I mean? Because like we don't, it's kind of like when I started talking about taking care of your own eyes and you're not going to blind yourself if you're just educated or you could take care of your dental more and have less for the dentist to have to do. And heart is definitely one of those organs that we, no one is denying that it needs to be functioning for us to be functioning. So it's what we call a vital organ. Okay. We have in our Yurved, we have quite a few primary vital organs. We have heart, lung, those work together. They're vata, ether, air, constantly pumping, expanding, contracting organs. And they're both hollow, you know, where things move through them. And that's the idea of ether, air, space hollow. And then we have the pitta organs, which are liver, spleen, assimilating, absorbing, getting the job done. Remember pitta means focus. We have to transform things. We know fire transforms. You know, we only need so much because it transforms so much. And then we have the other two vital organs, which are kapha organs, waterworks. And that is our kidney and believe it or not, cardiovascular. And everyone's like, what? How did cardiovascular system get into this organ section? And it is in, in multiple traditional medicines. And the reason is because they're talking about organs in what's vital. You can't live without it. These are six things that you literally cannot live without them working. And our cardiovascular system is one of those. If we get a hole in that cardiovascular, we will bleed out. We will not survive. So it is vital to our waterworks and our health. And so these are the six primary organs that are like, ooh, if something's going on, I think that's why we have such an innate, like, I got to cleanse my liver. It's, you know, we know there's pollution and there's reasons to cleanse, but why do we always target this liver when there's a lot of other organs to target also? And FYI, I'm going to take us back through my cleansing process once we get to spring. So next month, March, we're going to start, I have a three month, like you can live your life. You can go to work. It's not that hard. And you just literally slow cleanse throughout the three months. And it ends with liver because other things have to be clear before that liver can really relinquish control of its vital functions. And so I'm going to take us through that and you can look forward to that in March. But here we are in this heart health, one of our vital organs. And when something's wrong, we really don't feel right. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of things to do for the heart until it needs surgery either. So there's some medications we can take for like helping the blood pressure and how much pressure is getting to the heart and pumping to the heart, do some regulating of our heart rate. But a lot of heart conditions start with it getting too dry or getting too cold or getting too hot, or getting too wet. 
So a lot of times we're just like, ah, my heart, I don't know what to do. And we have to kind of be like, now, wait a minute. If we take the vital organs into an elemental concept, there's just as much we can do. And there's tons of plants that are for the heart. So I think one of the things we need to do in the holistic world is we need to be taking better care of our heart instead of crossing our fingers and hoping our heart doesn't go out later in life. I think we need to get a little bit more like, what are these plants? And I'm going to be mentioning them, but what are the plants we use to keep this heart really tonified? And just how does the heart even get affected? Because to be honest, vital organs are not only that, they're dependent on other organs doing their job. So this is where the big kicker that I've been talking about forever, you are not going to believe I am coming back to this subject again, hydration. (laughs) But it's that important to like everywhere in our body. But now we have a little different thing. So usually when I'm talking about hydration, I'm talking about making sure there's enough water volume in your body to have good blood pressure. I also talk about hydration keeps us plump and it's like the literal juice to think and move and have energy. And we even have to be hydrated to like turn off our brains and go to sleep. Right. And we know that when we're dry, most of us know that the drier we get, the more anxiety and the more adrenals have to fight or flight. You know, you're out of juice. So guess what? You're on reserve. And if you are using up your savings account, if your body's having to outsource to another one of your lakes or oceans or streams, then our adrenals go into fight or flight. But the more important thing here is these really important organs that are the governing organs of the heart. And this is why heart health is so deep and we don't know what to do because we have another vital organ that the heart is dependent on. So you have two vital organs that are dependent and the other one is our kidneys. So our kidneys filter blood and they filter blood in this really beautiful, that's why we have two, in this beautiful little infinity and it swirls it and we have to have enough water flow, just like that wave has to have enough energy to go in and go out at the ocean. There's gotta be energy behind it or that wave formation is not gonna be able to be consistent. So our kidneys are the oceans of the body and they need enough water volume and electrolytes to be able to move our blood through our body to our kidneys for our kidneys to filter the blood before it gets pumped to the heart. So one thing I've been really looking at in the last couple of years, as I've been like, huh, there's heart conditions in my family. Everyone just waits for them to happen. Like, I don't know very much about the heart. And I started recognizing I wasn't even talking to people about their heart. I wasn't even necessarily focusing on the heart pulse, the place to read the heart when I was on their pulse. And I was kind of like, wow, I just never focus on heart. And I just went on this journey of like, I need to learn more about it. And I need to be able to talk about it better. And so as my mother was leaving the world, I spent quite the last few years, like, I want to study the heart because my mom is leaving from her heart condition, congestive heart. And she also had a quadruple bypass. And that was the first time I did read a heart pulse and was like, whoa, this does not feel like what the heart pulse is supposed to feel like. And it gave me a like, something is wrong. So that's the one thing as a practitioner is I just know that 
when the heart is not doing well, it gives pretty major symptoms and it really changes the pulse. And the heart stays pretty steady until something's really going on. But literally my mom came to see me at Atkinson Road. (laughs) She would see me every month and my dad would sit right next to her and he was really engaged and he was her caretaker and she had a lot of health issues and I was her practitioner and she was having like flutters and she was having like eye irregularity, eye pressure problems. And she just had this whole new set of symptoms and she didn't have a heart condition yet. Her father died of a heart attack when she was 11 and she has diabetes and kidney issues. And so it just, we knew heart was related and she was having some symptoms and she was just like, really, what do you think? And so my mom guided me to her heart pulse. And I remember thinking like, oh, I don't know enough about the heart, you know, and now this is my mom. I just immediately was like, oh, okay, this is a learning curve. Like I need to know more. And I got on her pulse and I was reading her heart and I was reading kidney because they're on the same level. Oh, please. I hope you all want to learn pulse. It's a dying art and I don't want it to die. And I start clinical class next week, month. Please, please come learn. It is so valuable as a practitioner or even being able to like check your kid's pulse to know what's going on. It's so important. But I was down and I was reading heart and kidneys and I already knew there was a relation and her kidneys were just like dropped out, like hardly even a pulse. And I was like, oh, that's not good. And I remember feeling it and it's like my mom. So I'm trying to be like a very gracious and neutral practitioner. And my daughter inside is all, oh my God, my mom is going to die. Like something felt wrong. (laughs) And my dad's sitting here witnessing the whole thing. And I went to her heart pulse and I had my, my intuition just blew, came forward. I was so thankful for that moment, but I went to her heart pulse and it was dropping out too. And it was so irregular. I was like, I, I can't track it. And then I was like, wait, now that's a problem on the pulse. It's called Vata mobile. And when you can't track something, you know, that something is irregular and it's not pumping. And she was having the irregular heartbeat and I could tell from her pulse And all of a sudden it just did this, this thick blob kind of feeling. And I just, and it, and then it started doing that. And I was like, that feels like something's clogged, like an artery, (laughs) like something is not okay. And my mom's not pumping blood through her kidneys that feeds the heart. And I was really kind of starting to panic, but I was being pretty internal about it. And I couldn't find words. I couldn't find words because I was like, I, I want to tell this client to get to the hospital right now. I had that, like, we need a hospital. You know, this is a hard thing. And then my dad noticed that I was stumbling with my words and I was getting choked up. And I just went in with my intuition. I said, uh, let me just do one more check and I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you what I got, but I don't know if I'm right. Like, I don't know. (laughs) And I'm just going to preface this that I was, I think I was 33 at the time. So I was much younger. So I'll try to speed this up, but it's kind of an interesting good heart story. So I went back on the pulse and I went down to her heart and I just, and that's where I started asking organs. Cause sometimes when I'm with people, I'll go into the organ pulse and I'll be like, is there anything you want to tell me? Like I have my intuition too. I'm going to track it intellectually. I'm going to look at it anatomically, but what's my instinct say? And I heard the words renal artery and renal is kidneys. 
And I'm going to be really honest with y'all being young and not knowing the heart enough, which is most of us or the kidneys. We don't know much about either. I was like, I don't even know where the renal artery is, but it must be somewhere near the kidneys. <laughs> but I literally didn't know. And I just said out loud, I go, I'm just going to be honest, your kidneys and your heart don't have the right pulse. Something feels really wrong to me. And they knew, I mean, I got like, oh my God, something is wrong. And I swear to you, I just heard the words renal artery. And my mom, in her way of looking at intuition and instincts and, and you know, many of us, she said, that's God talking to you. And she goes, Deanna, go back in there and ask my body, go ask God, what should I do now? Cause you're scared. And my mom was like being my advocate as I'm her practitioner. She's like, you're scared. I don't see you scared like this. And my dad said, you are scared. And they, and I go, okay. And they guided me back into my mom's polls for an answer. And I went in and all I could hear was get your mom to the emergency room right now. And she had just had all these heart tests. She had had all the dye go through her system. They found nothing. They found nothing. So we have to remember sometimes labs, we know something's wrong. Sometimes they don't tell us and we have to dig a little deeper or we have to say, not good enough. Something's wrong. Do another test. And we have to remember to do that. Be our own health advocates. Be our own health care, right? As self-care. And my mom and dad stood up and started gathering their items. And I was like, what's going on? I'm like getting ready to give my mom a massage. And they're like, you just said she needs to go to the emergency room and we are here to trust you. And we're, we're going to the emergency room right now. And I just, and then we're in the car and I'm, I'm, I hope this is a story of like doubt and intuition and trusting your instincts because it's about hearts knowing, right? The heart isn't just this organ. It's connected to our heart and knowing when something's wrong with our heart, we know something's wrong and we're driving there. And I literally said out loud, I was like, I just want you to know I could be totally wrong and I could be a full on drama queen right now. And I may not be being your best practitioner. Like I could be wrong. And they just said, doesn't matter. You care about your mom and you think something is wrong. It doesn't matter if you're wrong. And I just kind of was like, okay, like, okay, I'm just going to stay calm. And I had this little thing in the back of me of just like, I'm being a total drama queen. Nothing's going to be wrong. And then they're not going to trust me in my holistic health, you know, and I was just having this game playing in my brain. And we got to the emergency room. They whisked her away. And this doctor came in and said, let's take a bunch of tests. But he put her on a heart monitor and he was like, something is not okay. That is not an okay heart monitor. And I'm going to do some more tests. He came back a couple hours later and he goes, well, I can give you good news and bad news. Which one you want? And my mom just said, whatever you feel like telling me. And she was just kind of tired. I remember that moment. And he goes, well, the good news is we will probably be able to save your life. The bad news is you need emergency surgery and you're going in for a quadruple bypass. And we were just, my dad and I were just like, whoa, you know, like emergency surgery. You're not going home. We're transferring you to Oakland, but that's as far as you're going. Cause that's where the best surgeons were. And it was like, oh my gosh, 
And then my dad said, is it an artery by your heart or can you tell me more? And he goes, well, what we found is the renal artery from her kidneys down that runs down her leg is where her clog is. So that will put her in a stroke and it's connected so deeply to the heart that we need to go and deal with that clog in her leg. And essentially then we will give her a quadruple bypass. And it was like, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my God. And I remember my dad, you know, going into surgery, my mom's whisked away. We're sitting in Oakland. We're just like, what the heck is going on? And my dad just looked at me and he goes, you just saved your mom's life. And I was like, did I? And he was like, Deanna, you just saved your mom's life. If you were moved by this episode and the content we bring you, please consider subscribing or making a donation. Visit our podcast page at anchor.fm slash Essentials and click on the support button to make your one-time or monthly contribution. With your support, we can continue to bring this enriching wisdom to you. is a heart story that is very close to my heart. <laughs> and so whenever I get to heart awareness month or heart health, I always am kind of like, wow, you know, we really can trust our matters of the heart and our instincts and to know that our heart usually doesn't really talk much unless it's truly, truly affected. And so I noticed that with clients, they'll come in, they'll be like, oh, I've got this thing with my heart, but eh, let, let's talk about my gut. It's about my gut. And I'm like, well, it's all about our gut. Gut's the key of health. So yes, we can talk about your gut and never a bad idea, but like, tell me more about this heart thing. And it's amazing how many people will be like, well, I got this thing, but I don't know what to do. And it's like, we just feel lost. So I'm going to tell you a couple and I'm really amazing things you can do for heart health. So let's just kind of go through some tonic. Doesn't matter if it's congested or depleted or inflamed or clogged. Okay. These are all options. And that's what I'm going to be really playing with this whole month. Right. So, you know, you should follow me this month if you want to know more about heart, because I'm going to be breaking down those symptoms and just like, how do we decipher when it's hot, cold, wet, dry, but we have some amazing heart tonics that are good for everybody. And it may even just be that you need to know they're for heart because you're already eating them and you could be eating them with more intention or you could be eating them a little bit more concentrated. Number one, cardamom. Cardamom is amazing for the gut, your blood, your kidneys, and your heart. So it is to me a full body tonic and it's neutral and it's not hot nor cold. It's neutral. It's just warm, which makes it one of the most friendly, amazingly friendly plants that most people, when they taste it, they just love it and want more because it's a little bit sweet and a little bit, just tiny bit spicy, but it's got that sweetness and it's super nourishing. So you could be making a stronger, more concentrated cardamom. And if you're working with cardamom pods or like I sell cardamom seeds, they're called decorded seeds. The pot is more bitter, so it's a little more cleansing. If you have just the seeds, you can boil them for like a good half hour and make a beautiful cardamom tea. 
But what I really want to tell you is you could add water again and you could do a two hour boil or you could let them just sit overnight in the water and you'll have a whole nother pot of tea. Those seeds are hard. When a seed is hard, imagine how much might still be in the middle of it, even when you released what was on the surface. So cardamoms, you can get a lot more for your money if you do a double steep. And there's also cardamom essential oil, which is just a much more potentized form of cardamom. A lot of times essential oils have different functions in essential oil versus tea plant itself. Cardamom does not. It holds true to its chemistry as an essential oil. And so it is going to be a much more like tonifying the blood vessels. I started tracking it from my skincare early days of aromatherapy because I started aromatherapy was the beginning. It crossed me over from like my beauty industry into my holistic health. And cardamom was always used for varicose veins and spider veins, which shows weakness of blood flow, which is going to become weakness of heart. So if you have low blood pressure, high blood pressure, or you've been told that you have like, you know, protein in your blood, which is what we call thick blood, or if you're worried about the amount of toxins that might be in your blood, anything blood related is kidney related and is heart related. So that's a really important thing to know. And cardamom is brilliant for this. The essential oil, I had my mom on a heart formula. I have my dad now on a heart formula. They're different because they're different heart conditions, but I had her on a cardamom turmeric black pepper. Black pepper is brilliant heart health. It is spicy and hot and it is a diuretic. It's a little bit tonifying. It's a little bit astringent. And so that is for congestive heart. My mother had congestive heart failure. So black pepper is much more for like the congested person, the like shallow breathing, the not getting enough oxygen, your oxygen levels aren't high enough. And then you add that black pepper to that cardamom and you add it in with the turmeric. And I have all of those in essential oil and you have a literal, nice, beautiful congestive heart failure formula. So, you know, something to think about. Like, remember, I make all these custom blends. You could actually, if you have a heart condition, you can fill out my whole questionnaire online and tell me all your details. And you can even add comments to tell me more. And I make formulas specific to somebody's situation. And I look at the chemistry and I even look at the medications you might be taking and make sure that we're not overlapping there's a lot of chemistry and medicine in those oils. So we want to really let medication do its job. And we want the essential oils to be supportive if that's the situation you're in with the heart condition. But these are things I do for people. And this black pepper cardamom turmeric is more for the wet congestive person. It wouldn't be a bad starting point for somebody who has maybe high cholesterol, which is then going to make more clogged arteries let's remember cholesterol is a hormone. So it means that that hormone doesn't have enough energy generated behind it and it accumulates in the liver. And then it just slow drips down into the making of our blood. And we end up with oily blood. And that's why high cholesterol has heart conditions. We get oil in the blood and then it just keeps, you know, pumping to the heart. And then it finds a weak area in that in an artery or maybe even a vein because either one can get a clog and it accumulates. If somebody had a clog, I'm still gonna stick with like that cardamom as a foundation for any heart formula. 
pretty much that cardamom's in there in my formulas. But what I would probably look at more with like, I have a little minor clogged artery and how do I make sure that doesn't become a big problem because people just feel like they're sitting ducks when they get that information. You could add cilantro essential oil, very strong stuff. Cilantro is a strong essential oil, smells strong. It's very dehydrating. You really got to watch the amount you use, but if it's done properly in a formula, I can make that really good. And with something like that, I'm going to do like Virginia cedarwood. I'm going to do rosemary for high oxygen, cardamom and rose geranium. And that's going to be more for somebody who really feels like, gosh, I got to cut through the grease. <laughs> like I got to get through this. So you've got the rose geranium, cilantro, rosemary, cardamom. And I'm just giving you some concepts so everyone can kind of go out there and play. If you know essential oils, you're getting a beautiful formula to just play with right now. And hopefully you know how to formulate, you know, otherwise you could easily just get the custom blend from me even one time. And then you end up getting your formula and then you could buy bottles. Hopefully you buy from Deanna Essentials, but then you can get your bottles of oil and you could be making your own blend to save a little bit of money in the long run. Because most people have a heart condition are going to have to stay on a formula for a while. You're going to have to maintain yourself long-term not going to be a couple weeks and you're all good. Heart conditions need longevity of care. But these are just a couple things, you know, and these are the things I notice. People don't want to get congestive heart failure because it's not pretty and you just lose all your energy and it's not a good thing. And then there's also the clogged arteries and the concerns about having a heart attack or a stroke. And strokes are on the rise. I mean, we're seeing a lot more strokes in the last couple of years than we have seen in the past. It's, it's really become very apparent that we are having blood related issues. I think of that in the pollution and just the thickening of our blood. I also think about the high stress in the last couple of years. And then we start sucking it up and sucking it in and we're not taking big, beautiful oxygen breaths. How does the heart pump oxygen? We have got to breathe into the world because we, we, you know, expand on our inhale. We have to breathe into the world. And that's a lot of what we're like, oh God, breathe into the world. Oh, not right now. And I'm like, no, you still got to breathe into the world. But on your exhale, you get to come back to yourself and go back to ground zero root chakra. And then just wait, wait, wait for that breath again. Expand into the world all the way to the top of the head. and then. Exhale, and you get to come back to self. Every time you breathe, meeting the world, coming back to self. Meeting the world, coming back to self. That's us ebbing and flowing. That's us, I can handle it, and like, I've got my sovereignty. <laughs> this is how our heart keeps pumping. It keeps pumping by us expanding and contracting our lungs, and that pumps our blood. And then oxygen, hello, is the beginning of water, H2O. So you're building up water content just by breathing, just by having enough oxygen. And we know that our heart stops functioning if we don't have oxygen. Like that's just a known fact. So we really have to keep this flow happening. So we don't want to go too far away from the importance of breath. And what is it to not do like a breathing exercise, though I love them and they're per person and per situation, 
But I think we aren't talking enough about just how we breathe, just literally, how do we get what is just natural breath and witnessing how you feel, which is part of that breath too, being able to witness how you feel, feel heart. How do you feel in your heart? And then how to work with how you're feeling and what to do with it through your breath. But this is heart health. And if you spend your whole life kind of sucking it in and sucking it up, or you've got some traumas that are locked up in there and then everything kind of just is in a holding pattern. So you might be breathing from your diaphragm instead of breathing down in your balloon of oxygen. That's what I've been calling it recently. I'm like, the belly has to go out and make like a big balloon and it's full of oxygen. And then as you pull that oxygen up, we exhale and then your body gets fed that oxygen. So breath is heart health. And breath is every health. I mean, come on. You also are relaxing the belly when you expand and relax and expand and relax. Otherwise, the intestines and all the peristalsis in there, you're like, suck it up. And then the intestines are like, don't move. And nothing's breathable. And then we don't feel like we are breathable in the world. That's a panic attack. Low oxygen and holding patterns. And you get locked in and then you can't breathe. You don't have enough breathing room. And that's how we go into that hyperventilation, that panic attack. So it connects the forming of our blood, which is liver digestion and eating the right food to make blood, the liver being able to manufacture your blood. And then it pumps through our body and sends nutrients out everywhere. And then it feeds those kidneys that filter that blood to make it safe to uptake it by water volume, healthy blood pressure for your heart to stay healthy and pump regularly. So this is a little bit about how it works and the real couple real key things I think that could support you, even if you don't have a heart condition, this is how you would keep your heart healthy. I hope it's working for me, but we'll see. You never know what's in the cards. You just gotta do the work. You got to see what's in your family. You got to do the work. You got to take care of it accordingly. And then you see what is actually in your destiny line to happen. Health issues do happen, even when you're doing all the right things. It's just called life. Yeah. Do you have a passion to learn about your body and how to care for it? Love to geek out about anatomy and physiology? If learning new herbal and holistic remedies fires you up, you really must take Deanna's Clinical Foundations course. This is seven weekends with Deanna, surrounded by redwoods, learning Ayurveda and elemental theory. Hands-on and immersive, this class will change you. Class begins March 11th, 2022. You can pay in full or in 12 convenient payments. Learn more on our website, www.dianaessentials.com, and click on Education. That was a beautiful story about your mom. I was riveted. Uh, we've got some folks here in the chat that also really appreciated it, too. We've got Madeline here. Hey, Madeline. And we've got Mark here. And Amy Villa also enjoyed the story and has a question for you. Great. She asks, how can you help someone who has congestion in the chest 
but can't bring it up to spit it out. And the, the person she's thinking of can't clear her throat either. Okay. So this is what we call unproductive mucoid plaque. And it ends up being what we call unproductive cough. So when you have that like, oh, it's so deep and I'm trying to cough it up and it won't come up, it's unproductive. But the most important thing to know is the word plaque. So you don't have wet mucus. When it's wet, we can kind of pull it up and get it out of there. As soon as it's gone dry or cold, you might as well just do warm and wet things because you have to loosen it up with wet and you got to warm it up to get it to liquefy. And so this is somebody who is having vata. They got mucus from maybe being sick. Maybe they're eating mucus forming foods, but they got that mucus and congestion in there from something. And maybe they run really cold and dry. And so it just sort of solidified where it showed up versus somebody being able to keep it liquid enough to spit it out or blow it out or drain it because it drains down into our blood supply from the lungs. And then it also drains from the bronchial. It actually drains down into the stomach. And then we have to move all that mucus through our intestines to get it out. So I think we forget that. Where does that mucus actually go? We don't really want it to go to the lungs. That's like a longer journey through a vital organ. Our stomach is a simple organ. It can like break it up in a perfect world, especially with some cardamom in there. <laughs> so what do we do for this? Now, first off, this I like this question. It's from Amy, yeah? I like this question, Amy, because a lot of people would just use expectorants. And perhaps your friend has been using expectorants trying to get that phlegm, that mucus to move. The problem with this, and this is a perfect example of hot, cold, wet, dry. If you have mucoid plaque that's dry and cold and you use an expectorant, which basically is something that collects and moves wet, you would be actually drying that mucus out more because it's already not moving. So expectorants are for when you have like the nose that you have to blow all day long. You know what I mean? It's when you've got the mucus that's like draining post nasal drip. You've got more mucus in your mouth. You've got it in your eyes, you know, like when we're in the middle of a sickness, expectorants are brilliant. And then you've got easy ones, thyme and rosemary and ginger. And my favorite is Ellen Campaign, which is a leaf you can buy at Rosemary's Garden. Really beautiful expectorants. The other one is bee balm, which is a great one if you live in this region and it kind of grows everywhere, but it's an easy one to put in the ground that's very camphorous. You know, when you smell something and it's mucolytic, it's got camphor in it, it might remind you of Vicks VapoRub, which are all camphor related expectorants <laughs> in that item. And so this is that expectorating, warming, liquefying. So great when it's all wet, but once it's become mucus plaque, that's still the thing we think gets mucus out for everybody. And it's not for everybody. So you have to moisten these channels. So we're going to be going into a steam inhalation now because there's no moisture region than just isolating your upper channels. So you boil some water. Ginger is going to work for either one of these. So maybe throw some ginger in there, make a big pot of ginger tea. And you're going to put that on a hot plate in front of you and sit down and you're going to put a towel over your head. But what else are you going to put in here? There's going to be one that you're going to be very surprised by, which is cinnamon. Another great heart health. 
It's connected more to kidney issues and heart. It's kind of considered the number one spice of the diabetic with a heart condition. So cinnamon could be in any of those other formulas, but cinnamon is nourishing and warming, but it also has that ability to kind of open up and break up things in the lymph and all through the bronchial tree or respiratory and it opens the upper channels. And it also smells great in a steam. So now you got ginger and cinnamon in there. I'm gonna give you one more. And that would be linden flowers. Another one you can get from rosemary's. Super, super nourishing. You could use marshmallow if you have some marshmallow around, but linden would be more lung bronchial specific. And those steams are gonna be really imperative for you being able to get that to move. Now there's also an essential oil that you can take and put just four drops, it's strong, four drops on your hand and it's called Nioli, not Neuroli, Nioli, N-I-A-O-U-L-I. There's two that work, Nioli and another one's called Kajaput. I believe I have both. And you do six drops, either or, and then you rub it on your chest. You don't put it in that steam. Don't put essential oils in your steam water. It changes their chemistry because essential oils and heat are not friends. So if you put it in there, you're just gonna maybe blow out your eyes. It's gonna burn your face and it's just not even gonna be medicine anymore. So you put it on your chest with a little bit of maybe oil, just so you have a little rub. You're in your steam with linden and cinnamon and ginger. It's going to smell so good. And then you got to break up the mucoid plaque. You can't just expect the water and the herbs to do it. You're going to have to manually do it. So you need a wood gua sha. And while you're under the steam, you're going to start opening up at your chest. You're going to make sure your lymph drain is open right below the clavicle. And you're going to start just opening everything up, turn really nice blood glow. That's what we call turn pink. I do want to say that no matter what color you are, what culture you're from, we all glow and have a surface of our blood when our blood is flowing. So that is for everybody, this concept. I just like to bring that home. And you're just going to like, wait till you got that blood glow. And it's just a little, little pinky, no matter what color you are, there's just a little bit of this pink or like reddish hue and it's flushing and it's warm and you do your neck and guess what? Be careful because it's thinner skin, but you could even do your upper sinuses and you don't want to forget we get mucoid plaque in the eustachian tube from the ear down the neck and you can even pump and gua sha your armpits. This is all upper channel. And you are going to use the heat and the herbs and the manual massage to break up that mucoid plaque, turn it into a liquid, and then you might start spitting it up. You might get a little post-nasal drip. You might be a little mucusy. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, now I'm all mucusy. I don't like it. And I'm like, but wait a minute, you're in a journey. How else is that unproductive mucus going to get out? So you got to let yourself go through that kind of wet, gravelly, spitting, blowing your nose more. It's not going to last forever, but you just get to be like, bye-bye mucus. You are out of my body now. That was in your body stuck. Now you get to see it coming out of your body, which is relief. 
So really go with that relief and see it as relief and know that it's liquefied and starting to move. But those are some nourishing upper channel lung specific plants that could really serve this picture. And if you're someone who has that post-nasal drip and you've got all that going on, then you'd be putting rosemary and thyme in that steam instead of the cinnamon. You would just go to a straight expectorant when you're wet, and then you go more to the demulcent nutritives that are upper channel when you're unproductive dry. And you got to do some Tarzan. Andrea likes it when I do my Tarzan. You're going to have to break it up. Oh, you know, sound works. Got to get in there and just like break it up. This is where I love me two rocks in my hands because I can put a rock on me and then I can tap the rock and it just sends this liquefaction, like little vibration down deep to the bone. And that's another great thing to go under that steam with. You just need a couple tools sitting there. So you can play while you're under the steam. You need to play when you're under that steam anyway, because people, I'll do a steam and punch a karmas with someone and I'll go in and I'll be like, it's been five minutes. Is it too hot? And they're like, I got bored. And I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. You're going back in, but here's a couple rocks. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, I just needed to stay busy so I could stay under there. Cause you know, you want to be under there about 15 minutes. No dry sauna when you're dry, you would need a wet steam. And then if you're really wet, guess what? Do the opposite. That's the person who needs the sauna. So dry saunas are for people who are really wet and mucousy and steam rooms are more for people who are dry and unproductive with their cough or their mucus. Yeah, we get mucoid plaque in our intestines too. One of the things I do when I steam is I make my pot. I know I'm going under, but I actually scoop out a mug of the tea and I drink the tea and then I'm all warm in my stomach and I'm getting all that medicine into my gut. And then I go under the steam and I've got like internal with my external. If I have a big old pot of medicine, why not scoop out a little and make yourself a cup of tea? And then the other thing I do with those steams is I like to get the most out of them. So first off, kind of like the cardamom, I might have steamed and it's done in 15, but is that whole pot dead? No. In fact, it's going to get stronger the longer it sits on the stove. So why not leave it and boil it, warm it up again later tonight or maybe the next morning? It's not like you're just going to liquefy and move all that plaque in one go. That's like thinking you're going to do the sponge in your pot one time and their pot's clean. It just doesn't happen. If the pot is really dirty, you're going to have to like more liquid, more heat, a little more solvent, which is the plants. <laughs> and finally, then your pot is clean. So yeah, you can reuse it. And then the other thing you can do is you can run a bath and you could just put that pot of herbs right in your bathtub. You're getting that medicine in all of your places that might be congested or unproductive. There's a lot you can do with that pot of herbs. I like to make sure my medicine is well-respected, which means it is well-utilized. I don't like to expect them to just do their job and then I throw them away. I think I learned that from Dr. Gupta. He came to visit me and I hosted him and he came to America for the first time. 
we're making tea in the kitchen. And then I strained his tea with a little strainer. I strained it and handed it to him. And he goes, you left the medicine behind. (laughs) And I was like, what? And he's all, the medicine is in the teapot. Like I only got what the water collected. And so I was like, oh, and then I asked him the next day, I was like, is that why Ayurveda powders all their herbs? Because I kept wondering, and they always just put the powders right in their teacup and then they make more like a slurry. They don't do clean tea. They do medicinal plant tea. And he goes, yeah, because you want to drink. If you're going to do licorice, which is great for this lubrication and the gut. So licorice is in here and you get all the particulates of that licorice. And then you get dietary fiber that collects and binds toxins, but you also have that medicine that's continuing to break down in its cellular structure in your gut. And there's more medicine in there. So that was a big thing. He's like, you left all the medicine behind. I was like, oh, okay. This is interesting. So we are wasting our plants. Kind of remind me of his gardens too. You look at his gardens. I take people there and it's like, they're all ready to see all these herbal gardens. And we get there and it's like, tiny little sparse plants. They're just barely watering them just enough to have just enough that they need for the year to harvest, to make their products and their medicine. And I even had someone ask, they're like, it's not flourishing. Like, do you need to amend your soil? And he was like, maybe if it's flourishing, it's growing too big. And then all of that gets wasted. It just looks nice but then you're wasting medicine and you're asking the plant to produce more than you need. So people might notice that when they come over to my place, my plants are not, I kind of think I got that in my brain. I was talking to someone about it the other day. I was like, my plants aren't growing huge and voluminous. And they were kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like Dr. Gupta's garden. I was like, oh, that's right. We were in India together. I was like, oh, I do have a Dr. Gupta garden. (laughs) I pretty much grow just the amount I can harvest and make medicine from. And I don't ask it to be big and lush and look all something that I can't use. So it's just an interesting way of looking at it. Submit your questions on our website, dianaessentials.com. Look for the form at the bottom of the front page. Well, it's actually time to wrap up. Uh, what? Yeah. So it's been a really amazing session today. Heart Health is really key. And please do continue to follow us on Instagram and Facebook to get our uh, continued posts this month about Heart Health. We'll be back here on the morning of the 17th. For those of you who are practitioners or students, and you're looking to really dig in to questions that benefit your clients, and you're looking to expand your practice, uh, send an email to info at dianaessentials.com because we have Students Unite tomorrow morning where you can sit online with Deanna and get your questions answered specifically about your practice with a much deeper dive on a professional level. So please let us know if you'd like to join in on that tomorrow morning. Yes, tomorrow's is free. That's right. I made it free for everybody so we can all just 
get in there and see how valuable it is and how cool it would be. And we'll do an hour on client intake and client questions. And then we'll do an hour on business development. And I'll be doing them every first Friday of the month. So I hope those are, I hope you show up and see how that feels tomorrow. I got more going on too. You want to tell them? (laughs) I do want to remind everybody, as Deanna mentioned earlier, we are currently enrolling for the Clinical Foundations course. And it's like a retreat into your body to really get into understanding and developing that intuitive knowledge of your own body. And you're, you're learning how to understand the body in the ways that Deanna does. And it's really a remarkable program. So please take a look at that. There's a link here in the chat and it'll be in the description for those of you who are watching the replay. Deanna's also having a webinar about hormones later uh, this month on the 26th. So please do check out the link on our website for that. And she's gonna be offering a sacred massage webinar in March. So. Keep your eyes open for that, uh, as well as a scar tissue webinar. Those are all going to be linked on our website as well. Anything I missed? No, that's it. And just please think about this clinical program. I just see a lot of people giving up being practitioners. I just see thousands and thousands of people in such deep need for a good practitioner And I love teaching people how to use their hands, even if you're not going to become like a massage therapist forever, being able to know how to use your hands and teach people how to even touch themselves and how to just have these beautiful ways of being able to assess and connect the dots. It's a biggie. Symptoms are about you being able to listen, look at how that plays out in the body and then connect the dots. And that's really where I think I shine as a teacher is being able to be like, how is this connected to this connected to this? And then y'all know I am all about the remedies. Like I'm solution oriented, connect the dots, good health detective. Great. But then what to do? And so we'll be talking a lot about applications and plants and remedies and solutions, emotionally and physically, because we're a whole unit. So I also don't separate those. So we'll be doing emotional work as well as physical. And the nice thing about my classes, they get to heal and be seen and be in their truths. And then as they see how it changes their life and how good it is to get support, then you turn around and want to do it for others. So there's a lot of healing that happens personally there. Even if you're developing, like, how do I take care of my family as a practitioner? Or how do I take this into the practice I already have? It fits seamlessly into pretty much any modality you could take it into. But enjoy those webinars too. Scar tissue is a biggie. Think of anyone who has scar tissue in your life and let them know we're doing an entire class on how to break that down. Big deal. So yeah, hope you all join me and thank you, Andrea, for everything you do. And thank you all for joining us today. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This is My Body, a conversation situated at the intersection of elemental science, self-care, ancient arts and consent. Deanna Batdorf is your guide.